Welcome everyone to this week's Sabbath School podcast. We're starting a new quarter today and I'm so excited. It's called The Promise, God's Everlasting Covenant. And if you've ever studied the covenant, it's just a beautiful, beautiful theme throughout the whole Bible. My name's Leah Hodge and I'm here today with Sharissa Tarosian, my good friend and colleague that I get to work with. So and good to be here with you, Leah. Yes, it's great. And we're so looking forward to studying this lesson with you today. So we hope that you will be blessed and learn something just like we've learned something. Mm. So before we get into it, we're just going to open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We're so grateful, Lord, for the, the covenant promise that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we open up your word and as we read your words, we pray that the Holy Spirit will, will, will open up to our understanding your truth and um, give us encouragement and direction for our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have the lesson number one and it's entitled, What Happened? Mm. What Happened? And this is all in the context of creation, creating the God, creating the world perfect. And then we have this question, what happened? And what did happen, Sharissa? Oh, a lot happened because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and then it was all good. Yep. Right the way through Genesis chapter one. And then we come to Genesis chapter three and there's something happens. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much where the lesson tends to. That's correct. So yeah, there's this big like terrible thing that happens and that's and then there's a solution praise God we have a solution for what happened we're going to start in um, the very beginning which we have the first text in in Sunday it's interesting title turtles all the way down and when I when I read that I was like oh what's this talking about <laughs> very interesting um, but it says Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and then that story which was about a lady who had this crazy idea that the earth was flat and that it was upon a turtle. So, yeah, it was just this very interesting illustration to show people's ideas about how we are here and the earth and how it was first created. Many, many people have very strange ideas, but the Bible gives us what actually took place. And I think that's really important for us to remember like to know what the Bible says, to know what God's word says, because it gives us so much more purpose and meaning to our lives than to think that we were sitting on a on many turtles. Exactly. It's quite laughable, but it's actually crazy to think that, you know, even, you know, the whole idea of evolution is that we came from blobs of molecules and just not in a very nice way to give us any sort of peace and hope and comfort. You're mm -hmm. right. It's mm -hmm. great to know God's truth about creation. And so we're going to have a look at some texts that were here on Sunday about, um, you know, the description of God as the creator. It's all through the Bible. And if you want to read Psalm 100 and verse 3, that would be great. Sure. The Bible says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I like it how it says that he made us and not we ourselves because we're in a day and <laughs> age point. where it's all about, you know, what we can do and how we've created this and how good we are. But it's God's like, ha ha, I'm the one that did it and you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Amen. It's a good point. Um, what about um, Isaiah 40 verse 28? 
The Bible says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I love that. I love that last bit because when you have someone who has an um, knowledge and wisdom that's unsearchable, it's limitless. We can't ever find out really the depths of God's ability to create and his infinite greatness. You're just humbled by that. Amen. And we can't even conceive about everything in creation. I was listening to a sermon at my church on Sabbath by Sven Ostring and it was um, called Fear Not Evolution. And he was sh- telling us about the simplest human cell and how scientists can't even figure out how this first human cell can come to be. Like Mm. it's got all these different complicated ways in it. Like it's got a um, a waste system. It's got the mitochondria, the energy system. You know, there's only two. I think there was like 20 or something or more. And it's just, yeah, we've got no idea how God brought this world into existence, but we do know his word says he did it. And we can have faith in that. That's right. It takes faith. It does. It <laughs> takes faith either none way. of us were there. That's right. None we of believe us it by faith. were there. What about um, Ephesians 3 verse 9? Could you read that? It says, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Mm. So here we have, not only was it God, but it was Jesus Christ who created all things. Mm. And that um, through him, we not only have um, being here, but we have salvation through him. And what I'm getting with all these verses and the other ones as well, like Acts and Hebrews, all show us one thing, that God did it all. Yes. And to say that it happened without anything like Mm. to say just happened nothing comes from nothing nothing ever could so it's it explains everything perfectly and as you said faith it's god gives us sufficient evidence for us to base our faith on this right i agree and it's interesting that adam and eve i i picked this up adam and eve had to have the same acceptance by faith that we do because they weren't there either Mm -hmm. they were created after everything else. So they had to take God's word at it that he did all this. Yeah. So they had to be, it was by faith from the very beginning. I want to just touch on the last bit of this lesson. It has a really um, good question that I think it's well for us to consider. It says to write down reasons why it makes sense to have faith that we are here because a creator purposefully put us here as opposed to our origins being rooted in nothing but pure chance. So I was going to ask you, Sharissa, what are some reasons why it makes sense to you to have faith um, that we're here because of a creator? Well, I guess it's a little bit, I mean, just on the most basic sense, because I'm not a very scientific brained person. Me me either. Okay. But if I take my watch, which is on my wrist right now, and I look at this and I know that it had a designer, I know this just didn't happen by chance. Where there is intelligence, there has to be an intelligent designer. And you look at the world, the intricacy, the detail in creation, like the cell, like you just Mm. mentioned, there has to be an intelligent designer. We don't just put pieces of metal in a garage and expect a watch to come, you know, like something, someone. No reasonable, logical person would ever think that that could possibly happen by putting 
you know, bits of a watch together in a box and shaking it for That's millions right. and millions of years and hoping that it would come together. So I tell people who I've had conversations with on this, if they don't believe in God and they and I do and we, we talk about it, I say to them, I think they have more faith than me <laughs> to believe that everything came from nothing. <laughs> I, I agree. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't have that much faith. Like, no. sure, you could believe that we came from, you know, chance. Mm. I think um, one thing that for me, a reason that I believe that, you know, God created us is the the ability to love. Mm. Because relationships and love I don't make sense in evolution because it's always survival of the fittest. Like you're there. Looking out for yourself. Looking out for yourself and you're there to, to live the longest and you're there to, you know, you know, trample on other people, kill other people for you to survive. So it doesn't make any sense to be able to love, to be able to have relationships. Um, that's that's one point that... That's an excellent point. People don't, you know, and even morals, mm-hmm. like, you know, something's bad, something's good. Those things don't make sense either. Mm-hmm. Um, that only makes sense coming from a God who is perfect and loves and has morals himself. Yes. I also think just looking, like you said, at creation... Because the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm. And when you look up into the sky at night and you see all those stars, like you just wonder how could this possibly have been by chance? Mm. Like I just love, I love the sky. It's one of my favourite parts of creation looking into the sky. Yeah, it's great. And to think he knows them all by name. I know. That's even more amazing. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's go on to Monday. And this is all about the image of of the creator or the image of our maker. And let's read that in Genesis 1.27. If Sharissa, you could read that. Sure. So the Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay. So here we have the account of us coming into existence. Notice God uses distinct male and female and that They were both created in his image. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What's this mean that we're created in his image? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I I guess for me, when I read it, I recognize it doesn't mean we have deity. We're not little gods. Yes. (laughs) But we have dignity. We are made in the image of God himself. That means that we can also come to reflect his um, character characteristics um, and such as morality as you mentioned before and the ability to choose um, things yeah. like this yeah that's that's similar to what I had I, I said when I was going through this like we're a free moral being like we have the ability to choose yes we have a mind that can think and reason and have judgment and that sets us apart from all the other created um, animals and, 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 and creation is that we have this thing called the frontal lobe, which can make sense of things, can, you know, communicate with people and intelligently. Another one that I thought was really beautiful is that we have emotions and God has emotions. Like if you look through the Bible, he got angry and we know that it was righteous mm-hmm. anger, anger for sin, mm-hmm. anger for what it does to us. He also has joy there's joy in heaven when one, when someone repents. Mm-hmm. There's also obviously love is, you know, obviously that's a, an emotion. Also sorrow and sadness. All these are emotions and all of them God can experience and we experience them too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's wonderful that we are created like that um, to be able to experience these things. Amen. 
So not only do we have, you know, the ability to have emotions, there's a, there's a text that I love. It's in Psalms. It's Psalms 8 verse 5. And it says, For thou hast made him a little lower than angels and hast crowned him with glory and honour. Mm. And that shows us just what you were saying, Sharissa, that we um, have the ability to reflect his character and he made us to reflect his character and to have you know, a righteous, holy character. He crowned us with glory and with honour. Do you have any other texts that would... That would uh, just a few are springing to mind as, as you're sharing these things. Um, similar to that verse is in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29. The Bible says that God made man upright, crowned him with glory and honour, but they have sought out many schemes. So we made choices that were wrong and those choices uh, marred the, the image of God in us. Yes. And that's sin. You know, that's right. the image of God has been defaced in us. And, you, you know, on a very practical level, we can see this happening in our society where even just the blurring between gender distinctions, uh, God made man and woman. Yes. He made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You know, it's very clear in the Bible, mm. but... There's some good news and there's hope. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, that is freedom. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Leah. <laughs> so on the one hand, sin has defaced the image of God in us, but God loves us too much to leave us that way. And through the Holy Spirit, he is transforming us day by day as we walk with him to come to reflect the character of God. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, it it was always Satan's work to deface the image of God. And he has, through our society, as we can see, defacing the image. But we have the opportunity of revealing through the Holy Spirit the wonderful goodness of God in our lives. And it's amazing, the transformation that come through grace, Mm. through that working in our heart. Yeah, well, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing those texts. They were really good additions to the Sabbath School Quarterly. You know, what about at the end of time, Sharissa, when there's another image? Yeah, you and I were talking about this just before we went live and we were reminded that in Revelation 13, you know, there's a beast power at the end of time who will set up an image and cause everyone to bow down and worship this image. And I think you put it in really good words. If I'm recalling, you can correct me. But you said something like, ah, those that will follow and worship this image have the characteristics not of God, like they're not having faithfulness to God, but of another. Mm. And um, I think, you know, even remembering too what it says in Jude, it's actually quoting the words of Enoch, but in Jude 15, speaking of Enoch, he talks about, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly. And then this word ungodly appears over and over and over again. Mm. What does it mean to be ungodly? It means to be unlike God. Two images reflected at the end of time reflecting the image of God or being not reflecting the image of God. That's right. And the question is, Whose image do we want to reflect? Do we want to reflect God's image, God's perfect image, or do we want to reflect our own selfish image, which is really from the spirit of Satan? It's, it's quite harsh to say that in those, you know, but it, it's black and white. 
But that's the, that's the ultimate reality. And I pray everyone listening and us here today will choose to reflect God's image. Yes. And to be reminded that he made us. That's right. And both, like, I, I think it was special. Just, I know it's something you already know, but like God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostril. And then he also formed Eve for Adam. Like both men and women were made by God personally crafted and it's a very special thing it is let's go to tuesday god and humankind together so this is um reflecting on genesis 1 verses 28 and 29 let's read that so it says and god blessed them and god said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for food. Mm-hmm. So here we have yeah, these two verses of God speaking to us and giving us instruction. After reading these two verses, Sharissa, what are the lessons we can learn from these early scenes in human history about how we should relate to creation itself and God? Yeah, it's a really insightful passage that we just read, actually, because God, he speaks to Adam and Eve. He gives them clear commands. He gives them a role to do and and, uh, perform. But also, as, you know, the children of God, his creation, they were entirely dependent upon him for absolutely everything. And, you know, there was not a single tree in the garden that Adam could point to and say, ah, God and I did that together. It was all God. He did it all. And so they were just recipients of what God had done. Yep. I I learned that he gave us the freedom in in this. He like he all, like he says he he gave us dominion. So he gave us like, you know, authority over it, like under obviously God's authority. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought that was really really cool for God to do that. He gives us responsibility. He gives us the ability to make choices and he's not a micromanager and it's beautiful. And I wanted to point out, even though we don't read the word Eden in these verses, but you know, God made the garden of Eden specifically for Adam and Eve. And the word Eden means pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so God puts his created beings in a garden of pleasure and he's a God of pleasure. And most, you know, I think it's worthy to note that because he wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy things. And as we go into the fall, which we'll be getting into just in a bit, we'll see how um, Satan questioned God's goodness and God's ability to provide everything and the pleasure that God wanted for them. They doubted that. And that's really sad. And we can do the same thing. Um, one thing I wanted to note about how we're to relate to creation is that we were created to spend time in nature. Hmm. We were created to spend time in nature. Preach, Leah. (laughs) And I actually looked up this article, and I know many studies have been done on this, about um, people spending time in nature and the health benefits associated with mental health. And we're in a crisis in our world today with mental health, anxiety, depression, all sorts of other diseases. And I'll just read to you quickly this study that I've, you know, I've just pulled up one. There's many of them. But it was a study done of 20,000 people and 
they found that people who spent two hours a week in green spaces like local parks or other natural environments, either all at once or spaced over several visits, were substantially more likely to report good health and psychological or physiological well-being than those who don't. Two hours was the hard boundary. So the study published last June, which was in 2020, showed that there were no benefits for people who didn't meet that threshold. So there was, you know, you've got to spend more than five minutes. Um, but I just thought that was interesting to note because, you know, God was our creator. That means he, you know, he knows what fuel we need. He knows what we run on and we need to be in his creative works. And Jesus, you look through the Gospels, he was when he could, he was always in the mountain praying with his father or spending time in nature. And so I encourage us to do that as much as we can, especially on the Sabbath. Amen. There's a reason why the grass is green. That's right. That's right. Green <laughs> spaces. Knew. God knew. That's right. He knew what was good for our brain. Going over to Wednesday. Now, this is the sad part of the story. This is what happened. Mm. It was at the tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's read Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here we have the, the test or the, the test of their faithfulness. Mm. Was it a hard test? It's very simple. Very simple. God made it as easy as possible, don't you think? He did. But it goes to show that, you know, because people can look at sins and say, oh, it's not that bad. But if you go, if you think back to the the first sin that ever committed, it was distrust at his word of taking that fruit. So do you have something to share? Sister? Just triggered a thought. It's so true what you just said, because if you look at Genesis 1, and I've highlighted it in my Bible, it says, God said, God said, over and over and over again, God said, God said. And then you come to chapter three and the serpent says, has God indeed said? Yes. Doubt. Doubt. I'm looking forward to getting into the next day. But before we do, there's some great points in this lesson um, about, you know, this test and having free will, having the ability to choose. Because in the end, our relationship with God can only be effective and lasting, it says, if we freely choose to accept his will. And he's given us every evidence that he is trustworthy. And I believe Adam and Eve had every evidence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, they chose to believe a lie. And we don't want to believe that lie. There's a question says that in what ways do we face similar tests every day? How does God's law function as a parallel to the command given in Genesis 2, 16 and 17? As much as we would like to just say, oh, Eve, I can't believe you did that. We every day have tests that we have to pass I would say Mm -hmm. and can you think of anything any tests that are similar to the one that Eve had to do and Adam by believing his word and um, having full trust in his word I cannot the thing that's coming to my mind is is the great test at the end of time over worship Mm -hmm. like it's actually the same test on simply what God says do I believe God's word enough to trust him and obey him and, and keep his seventh day Sabbath? It's just the same test. It's always the same. Yeah. Are we going to believe the Bible and what God's word is or yeah. are we going to believe in humans? Yeah, and that test plays out in faithfulness and tithe. Like, you know, God said, you know, the tenth belongs to me, your tithe belongs to me. 
God said it. So do I trust him to give my tithe? Um, the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Am I going to keep the Sabbath? Yep. Am I going to trust God that he will provide for me? I have a family to feed. I've got uni fees to pay. I've got this bill. I've got that bill. Are we going to trust God that he said that I will provide all your needs? And keep in mind, like in the Garden of Eden, the tree was just like other trees. Um, so the only logical reason to not eat the tree was because Adam, I mean, because God said, don't eat it. And so it is with the Sabbath. People say, oh, like you just said, well, if I if I do work on the Sabbath, then at least I can keep my job. And one day is just as good as another. But it's simply, what does God say? Mm. Another one that is huge, I believe, with young people and any, any age, but particularly I see this with young people, is relationships mm. with people, mm. with, um, you know, oh, they're a really good person. He's a really good guy, but he's he's not a Christian or he's not a Seventh-day Adventist or he's, you know, they're, they're unequally yoked and they – and I just – it breaks my heart because I see this ruin so many people's lives and I know from personal, you know, experience and, you know, in family situations that we need to trust God with this. We really mm-hmm. need to trust God that he has the right person and it's going to be someone who – that is following God and mm. is is fully in for God. And so there's a there's a verse in Psalm nine oh, Psalm eighty four. I'll just go there. Psalm eighty four verse eleven. Mm. And it's one that I, I really use for, for this and you can use it for for everything. Do you have it there? Because yeah. the Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he uphold from those who walk uprightly. He will not withhold any good thing from you. He will not withhold, and we need to believe that. Amen. That everything that he has asked us to sacrifice in our own, you know, inverted commas, asked us to give up is only for our own good. Right. And he wants to bless us and he wants to have us to have the best relationship. He it's wants because to, he has something better. He's got something way better. And I always think of Moses when he wanted to go across to the promised land mm. and God said, no, he had something better mm. installed. He went to heaven mm. and, you know, Moses didn't know that, but he had to take God his, at his word and say, okay. And he accepted God's will in that situation. Let's go to Thursday. And we're wrapping up very quickly soon because we're running out of time. But this is the breaking of the relationship. And this is where it it talks about um, Genesis 3, 1 to 6. And it asks the question, how did Satan get past Eve's natural instinct to distrust him? Because, you know, if he came to Eve as Satan, as Lucifer, well, she would have, you know, she would have not listened to him, but he he was skillful, he was artful. And the one thing, of course, is that he came as a beautiful creature. He came wearing a mask, he came masquerading as someone else. And so she didn't know who he was. And he comes to us, in the Bible says, as an angel of light. So mm. we need to test everything by the word of God. And she didn't do that. She didn't test him by the word of God. She believed it. What's another thing that... Satan did to kind of maneuver past her natural instincts to distrust him. I thought that like it was that he introduced doubt straight away Mm -hmm. and that he offered something better. Like he was like, God's actually not interested in your, in your best interest. He's holding back something from you. That's it. And I think, you know, that aligns well with our carnal, our carnal heart of like 
self. Like she's like, oh, if I can be bettered by this, then I'm going to do it. Like it's it's better for me because I'm going to be able to be like God and know good and evil. So he was appealing to her in a way that sounded really good. So a practical lesson for us is when temptation comes and Satan, you know, when Satan causes us to doubt in God's word and he's, and he's offering us the world, he's offering us like, you know, Jesus, he tempted him with the world, he tempted him with appetite, he tempts us with many things. He's offering the world in a, in a really glorious way and he does it in many different forms to many different people. But we need to remember, we need to take God and the whole, you know, we've been saying over and over again, take God at his word, trust in him that he has your best interests at heart. He wants what's very best for you. Mm. And then we have Genesis 3.15, which is where we're ending. Um, and this is the, the promise. And what does it say in Genesis 3.15? It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And this is the wonderful promise of a saviour. And this divinely ordained hostility, it says, between the serpent and the woman, is a picture of grace. Because if we didn't have that enmity, there was no way we could overcome the devil. Like God had to put that there and we praise God for that. Yeah. God in this, in what he says, because he's speaking to the serpent and it's amazing to me in this verse that he puts himself against the serpent, puts himself with us and he says, you know, I will, I'm going to come through and I'm going to defeat you and save her seed. I like that because it says in the lesson down the bottom last paragraph, it was God given and God supported. Mm. He gave this promise and he was going to support it with the promise of Jesus. Mm. So it was great. Um, There's a really powerful quote just to end off the lesson on the last page um, by Spurgeon. Sharissa, could you read that for us on Friday? He says, there was a gospel sermon, I think, in those three divine words as they penetrated the dense parts of the thicket and reached the tingling ears of the fugitives. Where art thou? Thy God is not willing to lose thee. He has come forth to seek thee, just as by and by he means to come forth in the person of his son, not only to seek, but to save that which is now lost. Beautiful. Amen. So what happened? We fell. What happened? We sinned. We distrusted God's word. But what happened? Christ came to bring help, to bring deliverance and to, yeah, not just to seek us, like he said, where art thou, but to save us. So there's that hope. Amen. I love it. Let's finish with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this study of your word and the hope of salvation, the hope of being recreated into your image. We thank you, Lord, because we know it's grace all the way through. We can't of ourselves do anything, but through Christ we can do all things and we just want to praise you for that and thank you. And we just give our hearts to you now and pray that this will be a good discussion on Sabbath with our classes and that you will be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.